This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. I believe this is episode number 422. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless Tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for information on joining. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. And uh, I got an email. Uh, shout out to Joseph W. He, we were corresponding about some things, and he sent me uh, an, a, a site which was selling counterfeit stamps. And I was looking at it, and I go, wow, this looks like an official postage site and everything. In the uh, in the order form, it said in stock quantity two hundred and fifty eight, and I was thinking anybody who pulled this up would go if this is a U.S. post office. I think they have more than two hundred and fifty eight <laughs> of any stamp. So it's like, what the heck is going on there? So I just thought that was interesting. Passing it on. Uh, another one from Dissecting Philately. Uh, th- if you go on Twitter, um, Stamp Show Here Today has a site. Just do Stamp Show Here Today and, you know, just put hashtag philately, hashtag stamps. You get a lot of stuff. Uh, I like Twitter much better than Facebook because Facebook gives you a whole bunch of political crap and a whole bunch of eh, useless stuff. You know, people saying, here's a, I have a green one cent Franklin stamp. Uh, does anybody want to buy this for $50,000? Well, anyway, dissecting philately, shout out to you. He cleaned a $2 Franklin head, number 523 or something like that, right? Uh, yeah, that would be the, the orange and black one, yeah. Okay, then it was the... The, the, the red and black was 547? Yeah, and uh, it was sort of a brownish red and it turned into a really, really nice color. So uh, he was giving us a shout-out for our Wonder Screen, ah. which uh, I still have more, and actually I have an infinite supply. All I have to go down to is Home Depot and buy more. So if you don't have a Wonder Screen, something you should uh, think about having in your philatelic toolbox. Oh, I, I thought you were putting the screen on a, on a uh, cart and then running it out the emergency exit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's your infinite supply. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, what's the next stamp show we're going to do? I think probably San Chicago. Diego. No, well, we're not oh. going to have a table there, though. Okay. Yeah, if you go to Chicago, you can meet Mark and you can meet Scott. Uh, Scott will be wandering around and Mark will uh, be probably at the auction and some other stuff. But look for Sitting Mar- at people's tables and yeah. looking at their stuff. Look for Mark and Scott at Chicago Packs. So, uh, Mark, you have the uh, AP, the publication of the American Philatelic Society. Yeah, it's uh, inter- interesting. They, um, it's a special joint issue with the American Numismatic Association, and the cover says, Stamp and Coin Collecting, It's Common Sense. Um, and I actually disagree with this cover. Uh, I don't think that stamp and coin collecting go well together. 
um, despite what people, you know, what, what people think or what people, you know, might say, oh, well, it's obvious. It's sort of like, you know, if you invite a couple of girls to your hot tub and then you slightly suggest, oh, you guys should kiss. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just not happening. <laughs> uh, do I have to put a warning on this podcast? <laughs> Um, I do kind of agree with you. Uh, there is a difference between coin collectors and currency collectors. Okay, so let's just talk about coin collectors, slabs of metal with liberties at on them. Coin collectors collect in a different way than stamp collectors do. Stamp collectors like the history much more than coin collectors. Coin collectors like the completion of the sets. Stamp Now, there's a lot of overflow. There's a lot of coin collectors who like the history, and there's a lot of stamp collectors who just want to fill the sets and are going for the completion. But if you look, it's like 60-40 versus 40-60. And I see that a lot at the coin shows. And by the way, this is not the first time that the uh, ANA and the P, uh, PF or P, P, AP Boy, I could. It'd be nice to get my letters correct. I <laughs> uh, did joint stuff. They used to do joint stuff all the time. Um, have you been to a coin show recently? No, I haven't been to one in many, many years. How about you, Jim? Well, I'm, I'm going to say I kind of disagree and agree more with the article. Oh, what is so it? I'm taking the opposite point of view. Okay, well, and it, 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 you it, go it, ahead and take your. <laughs> Shot. <laughs> the magazine is sitting next to my toilet waiting for me to read. <laughs> okay, so I have not read the article yet. Go uh, ahead. Give me, well, your, give me your two pennies worth. Actually, it's almost the whole uh, issue, and there are articles in there that are strictly about coins. And there are some about stamps, and then there are the, over, the, the crossovers, like coins on cover or coins on stamps, that kind of thing. In case postage. Yeah, in case postage is another really good yeah, example. Postal currency. And there was some currency too. Yeah. There was currency fractional collector. currency. Well, with uh, the stamps on the back. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then there was also um, some on the uh, actual currency collectors. Mm -hmm. So here's my take on it. I think the crossover is very similar in that we're interested in the history. We're interested in like in collecting the bills. You're collected in the artwork also, which plays into the same kind of thing. The appearance of a stamp. Um, there is an element of collecting typesets and full sets uh, in coins that you don't have necessarily in stamps unless you have those uh, collectors that specialize in getting a graded set and. Um, but one of the things, I, I mean, I've, I've collected coins and stamps, and I would say that I am a stamp collector, cover collector, which has some coins, you know, because it's not been something that I've pursued actively my whole adult life. But I put together, you know, a Lincoln set. I've put together a Mercury Dime set. And some of that goes back to um, my age. <laughs> well, I, would, I lived in... What are in, you, 32, 33, yes. somewhere around there? Yeah. Th this century, I'm 20, <laughs> 23. Um, because we could find those coins in circulation. 
I could find mercury dimes in circulation. I could find 50 cent pieces in circulation. Um, walking liberties. Um, heck, I even found um, uh, Liberty nickels and Buffalo nickels floating around in the 50s and 60s. But um, I was able to put those together, you know, as a Boy Scout and you're collecting stamps and coins and doing those kinds of things. But I, th but I think that it still crosses over today. Um, I have a fascination with coins. I have a, you know, representative typeset. Um, I collected uh, a total, a, a full typeset of Carson City minted coins. Mm -hmm. Not an easy task. Nope. Not inexpensive, but fun to do. Yeah. And I did that in conjunction with collecting Nevada as a hobby and, and the ghost towns and all this. So I think there's a crossover there that it does kind of make it logical to have a joint issue like that because it appeals to both sides. I'm sure there are coin collectors that got that and remember fondly their stamp collection also. And I think that's more of what it was talking about. I, I do agree with you in the sense that you're either all in on one or all in on the other, but you, very few people are all in on both because it's just too expensive. Well, I collect U.S. number 10s and 11s. Yes. And so I got a 1851 typeset. Yeah. Both. I got it for uh, both mints. And there is a $1 silver dollar that was never issued. I, I have a fake one of those. But otherwise, I have everything else. And 1851 was a weird year. And uh, for those of you who want to, you know, do something like that, in 1851, and this is just a total aside from this, in 1851, copper got really cheap. And so they said, hey, you know, we've been shortening our minting of uh, one cent pieces. Let's go ahead and crank. So they cranked out a metric ton of one cent pieces because they were copper. Well, that meant that the silver, they didn't make very much of. So silver dimes, quarters, and half dollars from 1851 are incredibly expensive. Incredibly expensive. They were very hard to find. Uh, I went to the Long Beach show and I, one year when I was doing it, and I, was, uh, I had the 50-cent piece. I needed a quarter. So this is a huge show with hundreds of dealers. And I said, I need an 1851 quarter, silver quarter. And on the entire floor, there was only one dealer. He had two, and he was charging blood. And so I ended <laughs> up buying it. And, you know, back then it was, it was grading was going on, but a lot of people were going by Red Book. I paid double Red Book for it. And it's like, wow, you know, I way overpaid for it, but I needed it, and it wasn't anywhere. What, what you're talking about, I think, illustrates my point, which is we like the history, and part of the history is in the coinage. Yeah. For example, um, Richard Frajola had an uh, exhibit that he put together on an issue, and he included in it the three-cent coin, because the three-cent coin was specifically minted to buy a stamp, a I, three cents on stamp. I have a three cent coin in my exhibit. Exactly. As and a matter so, of fact, my first day cover 
that I got mm-hmm. had it, it, inside of it, it was writing about something and it had a three cent coin with it. Oh. And so it, it was very interesting that I have a first day cover, which was hella expensive, and it had a three cent coin with it. And I put them as both a in bonus, the exhibit. As a bonus. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that illustrates the point and, uh, that I was getting at is that it, it does cross over, and, but the joint magazine makes sense in the sense that um, it kind of spurs interest. So I'm assuming it, has a, it spurred a little bit of interest in me to collect a certain coin or two that I need. It probably spurs a coin collector who's massively into coin to go out and find that stamp that he always wanted and never could afford or didn't have. And or covers. Here's, oh, a, here, yep. here's a hitch to cool. everybody. Um, it's called depreciated currency. And uh, it was in the late 1860s. And you'll see a stampless cover that nobody likes because they don't have a stamp on it. It's like, uh, it's postal history, yeah, I'll pass. Well, it'll have two values. It'll have like 53 cents, 28 cents in silver. And that's called depreciated currency. And it's right on the cover. It's right in the postmark. So you may, and I've done it many, many times, you'll find them for $5, maybe $10. And then you sell them to the coin collectors Mm -hmm. for between $50 and $75. So there's definitely a crossover. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you could see why, because these rates um, come and go, and some of them are very uh, difficult to find. I, I don't know if they're rare or not, but they're difficult to find. And um, I, w- I was also thinking in terms of coins that were used uh, to cancel a stamp. Yeah, yeah. Fancy cancels. I've seen those, yeah. Yeah. The, the three is probably the most common, but the five is also, especially the three because it has the three Roman numerals on the back, and um, the later nickels had the V, you know, had the... Uh, five cent nickel when they did the Liberty nickel in 1883. So again, you can find those kinds of crossover things. And like fractional currency, fractional currency is, um, okay. (laughs) I, 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 you want to know some, I'm going to talk about economics later on, so I won't bore everybody, but, uh, basically the U S government had a problem with their money. And how they were issuing it. Wow, what a surprise. Yeah, and uh, their greenbacks. Oh, they they yeah. issued the greenbacks. Well, anyway, people were sitting there going, you know, what's this? You're giving me little pieces of paper. Who cares? And it's like, well, look at the back. It has stamps on them, so you can mail letters with it. And they said, oh, okay. Now, realistically, they had 10 cent stamps on the back, and the postal rate was 3 cents. So, how are you going to use it? Um, in Russia, they did the same thing, and people actually did use the stamps sometimes, but the stamps were printed on like a thicker cardboard and didn't have gum on them. So they were meant to circulate as change, but you can find them used. And again, another thing, a stamp collector looks at and goes, oh, that's interesting, it's used. And a coin collector goes, oh my God, that's fantastic, I have to have it. Yeah, because it represents a coin. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. As a matter of fact, I got a whole bunch. Of, I didn't get a whole bunch because I couldn't find a whole bunch. But uh, I found some really, really well-centered Russian 
coin money stamps, and I got them graded. I think there's an article in there about that. Oh, there? Um, there one of the articles, it may not be that specifically, but it talks about stamps that were printed on um, banknote paper. Oh, okay. From yep. Lithuania. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that that's different. That's, that's a different, a different story, story, but yeah. Different thing, but it still crosses yeah. over. Um, in case postage. I yep. like that because that is tokens, which is coins, which is postage stamps. Yep. So it, that's a real And crossover. actually, it's not even postage stamps. The uh, stamp collectors get, <laughs> get outbid on those. All the time. I mean, there's no way for a postal uh, post. If you go by the Scott's catalog, you're guaranteed to lose an auction. Yeah. Because it is all conditioned and they are all way worth more than what the Scott's catalog lists. Yeah. Well, they had to almost damage the stamp to put it in there. Oh, they did damage and the stamp. Yeah. And so it's like the stamp itself is not worth much. Oh, I got an email from a person, and this was a couple of years ago. And he, he said, I got this stamp. It was in a little holder. And I pulled it out, and uh, all four corners were ruined. But how much is this worth? And I said, well, before you broke it out, it was worth about $5,000. Now that you broke it out, it's worth several hundred. Yeah. And the person just was like, oh. And I, I almost felt bad telling them. <laughs> but it's like you ruined this thing by busting the mica and f f pulling the stamp out. See, the, this goes back to, uh, again, my collecting area, which is Nevada, and by overflow Utah because it was also part of Nevada. Nevada was part of Utah for a period of time in the 1850s. So... Um, I collected tokens from Utah and Nevada. And for those of you who don't know what a token is and not a, a coin collector, tokens were usually privately issued by businesses, and they would say, like, good for a bar, good for one drink, something like that. Well, it would have or a good for five cents in yeah. uh, candy from our merchandise yeah. and stuff. And almost always it would identify the town and the establishment. So... Obviously, tokens in the Wild West, in the Gold Rush, Silver Rush, California, Nevada, and Utah, um, those tokens from those little mining towns that came and went are really sought after. And so the encased postage is much the same way. It was issued because they had no coins during the Civil War. But, uh, Not so just during it. the Civil War, but before it too. Yeah, it was it was like a, a real coin shortage. Yeah, people hoarded the hard uh, money, and that's one of the reasons why the greenbacks didn't go well. People were used to spending a dollar, a silver dollar, when they spend a dollar. They didn't accept the dollar bill. That was like worth sixty cents. Yep. But anyway, the the uh, in case postage kind of does that too because on the back of those is almost always an advertisement for a certain business that had issued this <clears throat> and, and even though it even though it was exchangeable in other places they were also advertising at the same time so they're collected both for the denomination and the rarity of the business that's advertised well people who are familiar with uh, post-world war ii in europe will know of not guilt Actually, post-World War I. And uh, what not geld means is not money. But what it is is it would be like 
five marks marked on the bill. It would say five marks, and it would say, good for one dry cleaning of a shirt. So inflation comes in, and now uh, the shirt costs 25 marks. The currency kept pace with inflation because it's still worth one one shirt shirt cleaning. So they didn't tie it to the value of the mark. They tied it to the cost of a shirt cleaning. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, if it wasn't for that, there would be very little commerce going on in these places because you couldn't afford to transact things because it took so much currency. Yeah, that was the barter system using a piece of paper. Right. And then that barter system, you could actually transact that to somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah, you could take that and and maybe the inflation, now it's up to $50, 50 yeah. marks, but it's still good for one. Well, in Austria, Australia, not Australia, in Austria, in Austria, the inflation was so bad that, you know, you could not put a number on a piece of currency. Uh, in the end, when their uh, currency totally blew up, all the currency that they had in the entire country was worth about $25 if you converted it. I mean, it literally dropped its value to nothing. And you could probably recycle it, give it to a recycler and get more than $25 <laughs> for it. But it was just amazing. Um, that's what happened in Venezuela. I mean, my favorite, I carry a 50,000 Bolivar note in my wallet. And uh, a boulevard in 2000, okay, so 23 years ago, in the year 2000, two boulevards made a dollar. So 50,000 boulevards was $25,000. It's a $25,000 bill, except no, it's not. Today, and again, I bought this a couple years ago. I bought it a couple years ago when 50,000 boulevards was a quarter of a penny. Now it's far less than that. Yep. Well, getting back to the topic at hand, which is... Well, numismatics. Numismatics, yeah. Stamps, yeah. Yeah. Um, So anyway, that's that's my take on it. Uh, I partially agree with you, too, in that um, it's kind of an odd meld. But in reality, I think what they were doing there makes perfect sense. And that's what they said. It makes sense. And I think it was spelled with S-E-N-S-E and not C-E-N-T-S. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now i got to read it. Uh, okay. Yeah, everybody, you ought to read it. And give us your feedback. I'd like to have some feedback from other people if they agree or disagree with this discussion. Well, my yeah. pain in the butt is... It's email cash. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I need more emails. Actually, I do not mind people from the podcast emailing me. And I got one from a person that said, you probably won't respond, but blah, 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 blah. And it's like, why would I not respond? I respond to everybody. Yeah. You know, if you send me an email, even if you send me. <laughs> oh, you better not go out on that land. <laughs> no, one person sent me an email, and it was like critiquing the show, and it said, who's the one who sounds like Kermit? And I go, <laughs> well, I've never heard anybody say that, but it's probably me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, send us emails. Uh, so that knocked out of my head. Oh, um, two weeks ago, I got cataract surgery and I announced it on the podcast and everything. 
I cannot read anything until I get my eye stabilized and I can get reading glasses again. So I can't read really anything for two weeks. And it sort of cost me because I submitted some stamps to PSE and admittedly I get a discount. So, you know, it's not nearly as bad as if you guys had done it. But I got back 10 certs and they had faults on them that I just couldn't see. And it's not that I didn't see them because I didn't dip them. It's I didn't see them because my eyes aren't working properly. So I'm, gl- I'm glad to know that the boss gets back defective stamps. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that speaks volumes to the finalizers and the experts that well, are looking I always, at it. I, you know, I always, it's a blind search. I don't know they're yours. Yeah, I can get a, you know, a couple of them, but this one, there's 10 certs there. If I was paying full price, that's three hundred and fifty bucks. No, so mm, cataracts are expensive. Yeah, I'm a dog person myself. <laughs> you don't like cats. <laughs> so, Mark, what crossed your desk this week? Dead air. Yeah, Crickets. I got nothing. Now this, this this was basically it. Oh. How about you, Jim? Well. I, we had an interesting discussion at lunch Tuesday. Um, one of our uh, friends that uh, attends the lunch every week uh, when he's in town brought some stamps, and he had a 905, which is the win the war Oh yes, stamp, right? And he said, he showed them to me at the table, and he says, is this the 905B, which is the red-violet mm color and i said well it doesn't look like it and he says well it's got the los angeles california um pre-cancel on it right and i said and then he had one another one that had fremont ohio on it but they were both the wrong color they were not the b so i think the um and, and i showed him i didn't have a picture of a 905b but i had a uh photo of the um, 537 A and B and C Mm -hmm. uh, to show the different colors of of the victory stamp, which is a, a, granted, it's not the exact same color, but it's the purple to the red-violet. And I said, it has to look like that. And he says, so not all of the pre-canceled ones were like that? And I said, no, no, but they're only known from St. Paul, Minnesota, Fremont, Ohio, and L.A., California, pre-cancels. With L.A. being the most common. And L.A. is the most common. Didn't we have one also that came through that was not pre-canceled? Yes. Yes, we did. So we have seen them not pre-canceled, but predominantly that's what you're looking for there. Anyway, it was an interesting discussion. He, um, he is a pretty advanced collector, but not in that area. And so he found the discussion very enlightening, too, because he learned something he didn't know. Yeah. And, and it is a, a fairly distinctive color variety. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, Cash said, once you've seen one, you'll know. And that's really the case. I mean, I had seen these, and so I could look at it and say, no, that's not the right color yeah. because I'd seen one. But to try to describe it is more difficult. It's kind of like the um, uh, four-cent uh, color Air Colombian. Yeah. You... you um, you see a blue color all the time, and you think, oh, I've got that blue color. But it really isn't blue. It, it's more like the uh, 
ultramarine or whatever the one cent. Well, that's a killer that's, one because they, okay, so normally it's ultramarine. Yeah. Then they have a color that's bright ultramarine. And what it probably is, is it's the blue from the one cent stamp got mixed in with the blue from the uh, four cent stamp. And it is a way distinctive color. Mm -hmm. And it's not listed in the catalog. So it throws you off. It's like, this is definitely not this color. It is a world different. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's bright ultramarine. The actual blue, which is incredibly uncommon and uh, really sort of only from two sources. It has sort of a greenish tint to it. So instead of calling it blue, if they would have called it blue-green, then everybody would say, oh, this isn't it because this isn't blue It doesn't green. have the green. It yeah. doesn't have the green to it. And, uh, excuse me. It is, it's not blue-green. It's greenish-blue. You have to replace it's a greenish tint to a blue stamp so it's greenish blue so uh that's one but yeah the uh but the, but three cent win once you see one yeah and the same with the 518 b brown yeah the the one dollar washington franklin once you see one because there are some very close um, violet browns to the brown color. Well, not only that, but again, you have exactly the same thing. You have violet brown, which is a common one, and then you have a brownish violet, which is very different. And you sit there and go, this stamp is not like all the others. That must be it. Yeah, it must be the... the, the yeah. And that one isn't listed in the catalog either. Nope. And then you get the brown. The brown is... Brown. brown. I mean, yeah, there's just it's, it's no more other like fade. Hershey to bar it. chocolate brown. Yeah, and I think there's a couple. There's a couple of versions of the brown. Well, it, actually, it's a lighter Hershey's chocolate yeah. brown, but it, it's milk chocolate. It, it's a yeah. it's a brown stamp. There's no violet to it. Yeah, and, and again, like I say, once you've seen it, yeah, then you can say, oh yeah. yeah. So the color varieties are are. are the, for those of you that are interested in collecting color varieties, I suggest you go out and look for the different shades. And you can rapidly tell when you when you look at one that, even if you don't purchase it, if it's beyond your budget, if you just look at one and see it like in an auction, not the catalog, but actually see the stamp. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give a, sh- a plug here for the Book of Secrets volume number three absolutely we we made a book literally with all the colors in it so that people can pick these out now we didn't list all the colors we only list the colors that are valuable yeah so like a a, um shout out to uh several people but you know they they're bringing up the color varieties on stamps and they don't have any real premium to them so it's like Yes, here's the different colors, but kind of nobody cares. Well, and until some of that Scotch may ca- change. Until the Scott's catalog list. I was going to say, yeah. uh, right. until you realize that that, one, that color variety that's uh, not listed is listed with a price commensurate to its availability. Mm. And that's um, the discussion on the 905 took us into Prexies. And we talked about color varieties in the Prexies. And except for a couple of uh, items, the $0.30 cent and the $5, uh, 
and the one dollar, there's not a lot of variance between the colors. So they're maybe Scott listed different colors, but they're all the same price. Yeah. So yeah. like I have sub, a lot more subtle too. I have a range on the nine cent, and there is one um, of the nine cent that is the prettiest. I mean, if it was on an 1865. Uh, 1861 three cent it would be a pigeon blood it is gorgeous yeah. and it's just the regular stamp price yep. and for all I know there's a hundred thousand collectors that have that stamp yeah. because we don't know how many were actually printed yeah. but it's just a very very pretty shade so collecting the shades is not doesn't have to be expensive yeah and you can find some yeah, really if you collect the 11 cent haze. Uh, um, yeah. There's like at least at least twelve different distinctive colors. Well, um, my favorite on that one is the first printings were what they call peacock blue, uh-huh. and I always look for the peacock blue ones. And getting a true peacock blue is tough because they change very quickly, even from the peacock blue blue to sort of just a bluish with a little bit of green in it. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, they hit green with just a little bit of blue in it. Right. Um, but yeah, I like the peacock blues. Those are the cool ones. Yeah, I think you could spend a lot of time having a lot of fun looking for those different shades. I collect number 11s. I mean, everything is shades in number 11s. Again, I want to I want to get a US number 26 and get it find a rare color and then get it certified as Dragon's Breath Red. And if we can get Dragon's Breath Red into the Scotts catalog, that'll be valuable only because of the name. That's right. <laughs> well, you submitted a couple, I think, didn't you, that were uh, on that reddish um, Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Well, the um, Chase, it, there's a whole bunch of uh, – va- uh, there are several. I sh- shouldn't say a whole bunch. There's four or five that – Chase, the expert way back in the 1920s, 1930s, he designated, but the designation sort of got lost along the way, and people didn't look for it, so it's not in the color chart. So we had to go through, and we had to find the original examples and say, does this match? And, uh, you know, if when you don't have a good publicly accepted well not publicly accepted I'm, I'm trying to think of a good way if you don't have a accessible color chart then the color sort of weebles and wobbles all over the place until the variety is almost meaningless and so uh, that's another thing we did in the book of secrets is we addressed those four colors and said no you can call it whatever you want but these are the chase colors yeah that, that's the standard. Yep. Very good. Well, anything else? Then happy collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. 
Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silkcom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.